Hey there, welcome to episode 35 of the Authors Read podcast. I'm your host, Leah Ryan. Today's guest is KJ Crook, and she'll read from her book, Leo Gray and the Lunar Eclipse. KJ Crook here, author and illustrator of the middle grade science fiction novel, Leo Gray and the Lunar Eclipse, a story about an 11-year-old boy who follows his dreams for a better education in science to the new school inside of the moon. But once there, he and his crew of international friends soon discover a world of government secrets and extraterrestrial surprises. And today I'll be reading to you one of my most favorite chapters, chapter one, the TV. The Greys were not your typical family in the year 2113. In fact, some would go so far as to say that the Greys were Z-typical, while most families in the small suburb of Riverdale enjoyed the luxury of robotically maintained homes, self-flying cars, and ozone-protective clothing. Mr. Grey believed his family didn't need to dabble in the likes of such modern things. Why, all that high-tech stuff, one presumed, gave poor Mr. Grey a great deal of anxiety. The family owned a local clock-fixing shop, Minutes and Widgets, a few blocks down the street from where they lived on Sylvan Avenue. Minutes and Widgets was the last place on earth where one could find or fix ticking antiques, and undoubtedly so, sales were dwindling. These days, all anyone seemed to ogle and boggle over were trendy holographic timepieces and flashy optical reflectional screens. It was only the occasional collector looking for a rare pocket watch or swatch that made the Greys a decent enough penny to keep the small store running. Mr. Grey himself was a rather ponderous-looking fellow, to say at the very least. He was round like an eggplant with large outstruck ears and a good-sized gap between his two front teeth. Mrs. Grey, on the other hand, was shaped more like an onion, or pumpkin, as some would insist. She half-willingly entertained a head full of frizzy blonde curls, a tiny round nose, and eyebrows plucked too thinly. Together, Mr. and Mrs. Grey had two children, one ten and the other two years past three. The younger, Lily, was the mere image of her mother, and had recently acquired the rather pestilent habits of sneaking off with her brother's things and asking questions about everything. The elder, Leo, whom our story is about, was luckily a not more discerning. He looked more like his father, however fortunately lacked most of his more prominent features. Leo, instead, was shaped lean like an asparagus with possibly too much messy auburn hair, a freckled spotted nose, and eyes the colour of mercury. His favourite hobby, when he wasn't reading books on science, physics, and astronomy, was bicycling. Though as far as the greys being Z-typical was concerned, Lily was much too little to notice a thing. But Leo, unfortunately, was perfectly old enough to be horribly embarrassed by his parents' non-modernity. It was, after all, their fault he was considered strange at his school, St. Margaret's Academy. No one else's parents that he knew of used a dishwasher, vacuum, or sewing machine. None of them lived in a wooden panelled home, trimmed their grass with a lawnmower, or drove a yellow beetle from the 1960s, either. This, of course, made Leo extremely grateful to wear a uniform instead of just anything. He could hardly imagine what sorts of taunting he would have been subject to showing up to public school in blue jeans and cotton days from 2013. Unquestionably, in Leo's mind, there were no other parents in the entire universe more embarrassing. Cheetos or Doritos? That 
is the question, said Mrs. Gray undecidedly, while peering at the family's ridiculously fat and smush-faced Persian cat for an answer that dull Friday evening. As predicted, Mrs. Kisses was in no mood to respond to such stupid questioning. She instead strutted over to her litter box in the corner of the black and white tiled kitchen to mind her own business. Cheetos it is, then, tittered Mrs. Gray. She stood on top of her tippy-toes and pulled out the crinkly plastic bag from the cupboard, when just then a brush of hot air filled the kitchen from the breezeway as Mr. Gray walked in. Any word on the election? he inquired sternly. He tossed his bowler hat clumsily across the kitchen table as the garage door slammed behind him, scaring the cat straight out of her box. No, no news yet, I'm afraid, sighed Mrs. Gray. She greeted her husband with a wet, sloppy smooch and proceeded to make her way into the living room. Just the same old, same old on the daily grief. Talk of another tree burglary down on 7th Street. Who knows what street they'll hit next, she gossiped. At least you and I are fortunate enough to still boast a live living shrub without means of atrocious porky wire or laser tape. And oh, she thought to test, trying to sound inconspicuous, more to do about that new city inside the moon. Mrs. Gray waited pensively for a response, but all that came from her husband was a humph and an unimpressed scowl. Talk of the moon was always a touchy subject with Mr. Gray, but regardless, there was something pressing on Mrs. Gray's mind that had to be dealt with tonight, other than the meowing that beckoned from beside the pea-green recliner. One too many micey-wicey, have we? chortled Mrs. Gray. She sat down heavily and picked up the overweight lump of fur, who immediately began batting her fluffy orange tail at the bag of Cheetos while kneading her claws deep into the fabric of the armrest. Who did he think he was, anyway? A cheetah wearing sunglasses, Mrs. Kisses hissed. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, Mr. Gray was in search of a piece of pie. He was dreaming of a piece of apple, key lime, or maybe even banana cream, all of which sounded extremely tasty as Mr. Gray was reasonably famished from a very long and boring day at work. No customers, no sales, no anything. Just the sound of ticking clocks, aging. He very quickly replied to Mrs. Gray's gossip, Association do starting at twenty million zozo bucks a year for a lunar studio. <laughs> he snorted piggishly. I'm sure one day we'll see that kind of moolah fixing watches. He returned his thoughts to which topping sounded yummier chocolate chips or crumbled walnuts. If only he could find that pie. Mrs. Gray stared numbly at the television set as her husband rattled on inside the fridge. She still wasn't sure how she wanted to ask the question she wanted to ask without actually asking it. She was almost certain his answer would be a no, or maybe more conceivably a no, absolutely not. But there was no more putting it off. So she began by suggesting, lightly, I suppose we'd better start selling newer things then if we'd like to find our sun a nest up there before the big... She stopped, deciding it better to go a less direct route and started over. You know, Miss Wits, Mr. Gray frowned at the name. Yeah, what about... Her. Has she and everyone else around here found some magical avocados to get to the moon? <laughs> he puffed irritably, still scrummaging through the leftover tuna casserole and cans of Coke in search of something sweet. You know what I said about talking to that lady. I still think we should have sent Leo to the public school. At least there, the teaching bolts wouldn't be so, so rooty snooty. Expecting compliments from a robot during parent-teacher conferences, dear, isn't any less snooty, said Mrs. Gray, licking her
her orange-crusted fingers, still pondering the question that needed to be asked. They're not programmed to be as cordial as you or me. Well, that's still no excuse, Mr. Gray continued to grump, having finally spotted a promising-looking Tupperware container in the far back of the fridge. It was a nice tie, and even if robots don't fancy polka dots, I don't particularly care for some bundle of wire and steel giving me advice about my son's education. However, as Mr. Gray removed the silvery foil, he regrettably realized with the aroma of weak old fish that his favorite dish was missing. And speaking of things I don't like, he thundered and sulked all at the same time, it's not being able to find any pie. If I recall correctly, said Mrs. Gray, is that someone was supposed to pick us up a can of whipped cream earlier from the store? Who ever heard of any person eating pie without whipped cream? Mr. Gray stood flummoxed at the thought. He didn't remember seeing anything about whipped cream on the pick list. Then again, he didn't actually remember seeing any pick list at all. He dug into his pockets as if to prove his wife incorrect, only to discover a crinkled-up piece of paper with the word cream smeared underneath a pile of sticky yellow goo. Uh, um, the right, he mumbled sheepishly, tossing the mistaken handkerchief into the trash before his wife could take notice of it. As you were saying, Miss Wits, was it? Yes, well, Mrs. Gray finally began, like her or not, she said that the government will be having a contest for free entry. <coughs> a contest, Mr. Gray choked a little, nearly toppling over the carton of extra percent fat milk as he poured himself a bowl of frosted flakes. What sort of contest? One to see how many poor people think they have actually have a chance at winning their way up to the moon? <sighs> what a load of gobbledygook. Not exactly, said Mrs. Gray, dawdling with the question. It's something, well, Miss Whist thought Leo would be good for. She couldn't possibly tell Mr. Gray that the whole thing was, in all actuality, her very own idea. At least not now, anyhow. He was already being difficult enough without any pie. However, at the sound of his wife's suggestion, the cart of milk came crashing onto the counter. Oh, Leo, Mr. Gray thunderously scoffed, hurtling himself into the living room with his bowl of frosted flakes splashing alongside. Participating in a contest for the government? For what? Oh, you know how he is with all that sciencey stuff, Mrs. Gray started to fret as Mr. Gray sank uncomfortably into the custard yellow couch. Why, Miss Woods thought he just might have a chance at winning, as it's a science contest, a very prestigious science contest at that. Even the lunar president is said to make an appearance. But spotting her husband's forehead beaming redder than a cherry, Mrs. Gray realized that she needed to be much more persuasive and much more clever if she was going to get Mr. Gray to agree to their son partaking in our government competition. And so she pressed on more tactfully. I suppose they're looking for the next junior Einstein or some such thing for that accelerated school of theirs, the Lunar Academy. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if Leo won and he could at least get his ticket up there to Lunar City before, well, you know what they've been saying about the big... But with that, Mr. Gray rose swiftly to his feet, wildly waving his beefy pointer finger in front of the television as an ad for condos inside the moon shot across the screen. You see that man there on the TV? Daryl Dillick, he barked bitterly. Don't let his suave hair, pearly white teeth and cool-looking space clothes make you think life would be any better up there for our son. And the big, well, I don't even want to say it, but you know as well as I know it's all a bunch of horse talk. 
It's all because of that President Soenzo trying to force everyone on this planet into giving away their hard-earned pennies so he can build his little dream city. Pennies, Mrs. Gray chimed in innocently. Oh, you know what I mean. Pennies are about the same thing. Either way, up there is not here, and it's certainly not where our ancestors imagined us to be. Yes, of course, it's nice and new and filled with fantastically fantastic things, but mind you, Lucy, unless the big you-know-what actually happens, Luna City is no place anyone in my family will be going, Mr. Gray said furiously. Just then, a small murmuring came from down the hall in response to all the loud conversing. Oh, me, a pigtail-headed five-year-old said with a whine and a pout, entering the living room dressed in bright pink bunny pajamas with a battered and stitched teddy, Mr. Winky. I can't catch any sleepy pies. Oh, lily lumps and bumps, babied Mrs. Gray, shooting her husband a dirty look. What are you doing up? Mommy here will try to keep Daddy more quiet. Now run along and get packed, catching your sleepy pies and cakes. Try to catch Mummy one of those yummy cinnamon pastries for the morning, would you? And ooh, maybe a nice warm cappuccino, too. Oh, and don't go waking up your brother, she continued with an unfortunately telling smile. Leo has a very big day tomorrow. However, Mrs. Gray didn't catch her slip of words. A big day? questioned Mr. Gray as Lily waddled back to bed. If there was anything that Mr. Gray hated more than the government, it was secrets. Oh, you know, faltered Mrs. Gray. Her her mind raced to think of something to say. However, as she sat there, trapped between Mr. Gray's demanding glare and Mrs. Kisses's tail swatting past the ad for lunar condos, she simply couldn't help but want her son to get his ticket up there. Especially with all the talk of the big... Why, she couldn't bear to think of it. And it was with that thought that a very dishonest, yet somewhat practical idea flooded into Mrs. Gray's head. Mr. Gray didn't need to know about Leo entering any sort of government competition. In fact, if Leo won, she could simply tell him that she herself had acquired the ticket. At a lotto or street fair, he'd never have to know that Leo had ever participated in a government competition to begin with. Yes, of course, Mrs. Gray smiled cleverly to herself. It was the perfect idea. And so she lied. Leo has a, oh, um, she thought for a second, tapping on her tooth. A tooth appointment, suggested Mr. Gray. A tooth appointment, sang Mrs. Gray with revelation. Yes, yes, here's one of those tomorrow morning. As I was saying, Mr. Gray continued to grump, poking around at the remote. There will be no government competitions for anyone in this family. Especially contests to go to that ridiculous school inside the moon. However, as Mr. Gray removed the back of his remote, he soon found the batteries, much like his piece of pie, were conveniently missing. Life, tranquility, stress-free economy, that's the motto of Luna City, rang Daryl Dillick's voice smoothly over the television set. As Mr. Gray got up to bop the receiver and Mrs. Gray sat there, daydreaming about how envious Marge Hewigan and Sally Watson-Name from down the street would be to find out her son would soon be on his way to the moon. Little did Mr. Gray know that a contest entry for Leo had already been arranged. So that's the end. Or should I say, that's the beginning. If you enjoyed this short preview, do take a moment to support a local bookstore by calling in and ordering Leo Gray and the Lunar Eclipse today. Or easily request it through your favourite neighbourhood library. Pick it up in store at Barnes & Noble or have it delivered to your doorstep for Kindle via Amazon. For more information on Leo's Supercell Adventure, visit leograybooks.com and be sure to follow the fun at Leo Gray Books. Thanks for having me. 
I'd like to thank KJ for sharing her book with us today. And thank you for listening to the Authors Read Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read Podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time!